The Mentors If you listen you'll have fun Hope you're not the only one The Mentors Please subscribe and be a friend We would love you to the end The Hello and welcome back to The Mentors. This is Vadim. And I'm Sergey, And we are twinsies. Twinsies. We actually just got off the phone with a couple of twins. Super excited about the business they're building and they're going to be shows on our podcasts in a couple of weeks. So listen out for that. This is a show where we interview founders who have succeeded despite having no experience to try to understand how they overcame obstacles that every entrepreneur faces in the critical early days. And today we have a very special topic that we're going to be talking about that was very important to us while we were growing the various businesses. And by the way, is even a critical aspect of growing this podcast, which is how do you get important and influential people to actually respond to you and give you the time of day? As an entrepreneur, half of your job is actually getting people to pay attention to you, right? Because when you're getting off the ground, that's the hardest thing to do. No one knows about you. No one cares about you. So how can you actually get them to care? And that's why we decided to talk about this topic today because it's so top of mind for any creator, any entrepreneur who's trying to bring something to this world. Over the years, through the different ventures that we've started or tried to start, we've had people respond to us like uh, directors and VPs at MasterCard, the chief revenue officer at Mashable, uh, the chief controller at Twitter as a potential investor. Vadim got uh, Noah Kagan to respond a few weeks ago, who was the founder of AppSumo. He was uh, one of the top first 30 employees of Facebook and um, one of the early guys at Mint as well. And that was from a cold email, by the way. And most of these were. And so Vadim and I have been able to get people to respond from cold emails, from slightly warm emails as well, uh, from calls as well, because we've done a lot of sales in the past. But the whole point is that we know how to get people's attention and how to activate something that actually gets them to, to decide to respond. And that's really what you're trying to do is make that decision easier for them. So we're going to get dig into how we actually were able to do that. And for you, you know, this can be relevant uh, in a variety of ways. If at some point in your life you decide you want to write a book and you need to interview interesting people for that book, you need to figure out how to incentivize them to respond. If you have a side project that you want to work on, if you're an artist and you're creating art and you want to be featured in an art show by a famous uh, gallery owner in a city that you're in, you might need to get them to respond. So these can be these principles can be applied in a variety of different ways and hopefully would be useful for you throughout your life. Yeah, and I think they'll uh, another thing to know, of course, is that they will be useful to get anyone to respond, right? I mean, you might not necessarily need uh, someone like a VP at MasterCard to respond, but maybe you're looking for a co-founder and you want a smart engineer to respond to you. And so you can use similar principles to get them to respond. I think principles makes it sound a little bit... Uh, intimidating. It's it's not very intimidating. You're going to hear that it's actually pretty basic ideas, but if you apply them regularly, I think they're going to work for you. But to help it be a little bit more digestible, we did uh, ha- want to cover a few sort of principles 
uh, or methods that we have come up with over the years. And the reason why we actually constructed these into methods is because we do mentor a lot of entrepreneurs and we meet with them on a weekly basis. And a lot of times it's just easier to communicate something when it's packaged in a structured way. Uh, I will say that in the end of the day, you know, you have your own voice and you need to find that voice. And ultimately, whatever works for you might not work for somebody else. But you probably will find that if you are an effective communicator already, you already may have used uh, some of these uh, methods in your own outreach. So what are the two principles that we're going to talk about today, Sergey? We're going to talk about the why, what, and how principle and the ones principles. And really what these are uh, are structures or skeletons, if you will, of what your email is going to look like. So what we're trying to do is give you a way to, when you sit down to write an email to somebody, um, have a way to format or think about that email as far as what the structure is going to look like, what you're going to write when, uh, so that it, it's you, you increase the likelihood that the email is read and then replied to. And uh, the first sort of rule of thumb that I wanted to cover is pretty straightforward, but a lot of people seem to miss it, which is when you're reaching out to somebody important, uh, or at the very least somebody that has limited time, you need to make sure that you're keeping your email or message pretty short, pretty short and simple. And at the very least, if it's a little bit on the longer side, because you want to provide more context for that person, you have to keep it digestible. So formatting a lot of times is very important. Don't shove all the information into one paragraph. Split it up into easily digestible sentences that someone can kind of just look through and read. So the first thing is you will definitely lose them if you start off by writing a book and by making it hard to read. So don't do that. Don't fail before you even have a chance. I'll touch on another uh, another method, I think, to keep it short is don't feature dump is <laughs> maybe feature dump is not the way you would say it, but don't tell the the person every single thing that you think they need to know about you and every little thing about your product or service or whatever it is that you're trying to get their attention for. Realize that most people don't care, especially if they don't know you. So just include, we talked about this in another episode, your highlight reel. Just like if you would go to a networking event, you're not going to spend 10 minutes talking about yourself. You're just going to talk about your highlight reel, that 30 seconds to a minute. Same here. Only the information that's most applicable to that individual or for that specific situation and the things that are most impressive about you and forget everything else. And look, I'm sure you're awesome. We think you're beautiful, baby. But uh, More handsome. But they don't know, and more importantly, they don't care. Uh, and maybe they even would care. It could be a very empathetic and nice person. But when somebody's busy, when they're in the grind of the daily sort of struggle and dealing with their own issues, it doesn't matter how amazing you are. So do, of course, communicate value. And we're going to get into that in about a second. Uh, and, and sort of maybe mention some accolades about yourself if it's relevant. But do understand that that you need to respect their time uh, and value them right up front. And showing that and communicating that in your message can go a long way. So we're going to start off by talking about the principles that we mentioned a little bit earlier. And the first step is why. So when you're jumping into the message right away in the first sentence, you need to hook that person. You need to give them a reason as to why they should respond to you and why you're reaching out. You need to be very clear and direct about this. Some people uh, you know, tend to be coy or dance around the issue or try to say something funny right up front to, to, to hook somebody into the email. But 
No, you need to be to the point and direct and hopefully communicate it in a compelling way. So why are you reaching out? Are you a founder and CEO? Uh, are you someone interesting that have done something that's very relevant to uh, what they're working on or what they might be worried about right now? Uh, and why are they relevant for you? You know, what have they done? Uh, what line of work are they in? Or why are they a domain expert where it there's kind of a potential symbiotic relationship that can be built between the two of you that would then plant the seed in their head in the first sentence that says, you know what, me and that this person are sort of on the same playing field. Yeah, you might be asking for a favor at some point down in the email, but at the very least, this person's interesting. There's a relevant reason why they're reaching out. And okay, let me continue reading this email. Right, exactly. You're trying to get their attention by right in a few opening lines. But you also, I think one of the biggest values of saying the why is you're removing their need to do the work for you to figure it out, right? They shouldn't have to read an entire email to realize why you're reaching out to them or who you, who it is that you are. You should take care of that right in the beginning. Actually, preferably even in the subject line, a lot of times subject lines that get opened the most are the ones that are very relevant that set the expectation for what the body of the email will be and tell you exactly what it's about. So get to the why very quickly, and usually it's a good way to get somebody's attention. So how does the once principle uh, fit into this uh, why principle, Sergey? Well, so I think that the opening line or the opening uh, statement should really just be one sentence. And the once principle is all about how to keep things short. So when you're describing the why, try to keep it to one sentence. Again, it also what happens is if it's one sentence and then there's a break, it is easier to consume and it doesn't make somebody feel like a lot of work. Whereas if you had three three sentences, a paragraph right in the first opener, they may not even get through the whole paragraph because they'll just look at it, their eyes will glaze over, and they'll move on to the next email of the day. So get that why out right in one sentence. Exactly. So tell them a little bit about yourself and, and tie it to how it's relevant for them and why you're reaching out and why they should respond. And, you know, it does take a certain art to be able to do that in only one line that could be potentially broken up by a comma. But we'll give you specific examples later for how we were able to accomplish that. The next thing that you should be thinking about is the what. In other words, what the hell am I doing emailing this person? <laughs> no, <laughs> but you have to convey the ask, right? What are you trying to get from this person? The last thing you want to do, again, is annoy them with your email. Uh, and a lot of salespeople, unfortunately, make this mistake where they'll write a, a whole book before they even get into what they're trying to accomplish or what they're trying to get from this person. So don't dance around their issue. Again, be polite and respectful, but do make sure to cover right away what it is you're trying to accomplish by reaching out to them. And the way the one principle applies here is... Well, so the one principle, a lot of people make this mistake, and actually I've made this mistake in the past because it seems uh, intuitive, but when they're describing what they want from someone or, or what they could do to help them in whatever issue they're trying to solve... You kind of feel like, especially if they're important uh, or they're more experienced than you, that you should provide a menu item of ways they can help you so that just in case, maybe I'll hit on this one thing that they want to help me with. Or if not that, then at least I'll mention another thing in the email that they might help me with. But guess what? 
that forces people to have something called decision paralysis. If they don't know how to help you, again, they will be less likely to act on the email. So just choose the one way that they can help you or the one what. What is it that you're reaching out to them about so that they can actually decide right then while they're reading that email whether they're going to help you or not. And typically that will elicit some sort of response versus if you say every uh, different way they can help you under the sun, they just won't even bother to think of how they can help you because again, you don't want them to do the work for you. You want to do the work for them. So make sure that you cover what you want, but also make sure that you only ask them for one thing. You're actually making it easier for them by removing the, the, the need for them to make a decision. The next thing and the last thing that you should be doing is what we call the how. In other words, how'd you get up all that in then jeans, girl? <laughs> no, but the how. Uh, so you're already at the at the end of the email. Again, we don't want to go too long here for reaching out to somebody important. Hopefully, we hooked them. Now we gave them the what. But now, how can they actually act on what it is that you're asking for them? So give them a very easy way to act on your ask. And so, for example, you need to be very very specific on uh, on what you're asking for, obviously, but also how they can follow up. So instead of saying um, let's. Do you have some time to chat in the next few weeks? That's very, very broad. And while that might be effective for some people, you want to be as specific as possible. So how can they reach out? How can they follow up with you? Do you have some time for a 15-minute phone call this week or this Friday at 1 p.m.? Get And look at what Vadim, or listen to what Vadim actually just did there. Um, he applied the once principle by giving that person one very concrete option for how to act. So the how for him in that case was one a phone call at a specific point in time next week. That way the person can go on their calendar right away and know whether they'll tell you yes, I'm free or no, here's another time. So again, you're doing the work for them. You're making it much easier by giving them one option. If you offer to speak on the phone or meet in person or meet for 20 minutes or have a call in the morning or the afternoon, again, then there you're forcing them to do the work of deciding what method of connecting with you is the most effective or should be done. Do the work for them and give them one option. They'll tell you if that option doesn't work. Now, when you're doing this kind of outreach, you want to be targeted, but also have volume. So it's a little bit uh, counterintuitive and might even be contradictory, uh, but you need to reach out to more than one person. And so you need to make a list of very relevant people for whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. But you do want to make sure that every single note or message that you send is to a highly targeted person and also ultimately customized. Now, you can borrow some messaging from a previous email and kind of reconstruct it, but you want the person to feel like it's the email was just meant for them. And also what we mean by targeted is they have to be relevant to you specifically. We talk, we cover this in the why, but you know, not only does the messaging have to be targeted uh, with respect to uh, how they can help you, but why them, you know? Uh, they need to really feel like it makes sense to take the next step with you specifically because they don't know you and they ain't got no time for this. They don't have time for this. I will say uh, also about the volume piece of it, right? The numbers piece of it, but also being targeted. If you have a small number of people in the universe that could really be helpful to solve a specific problem, 
then it's worth to write a specific custom message just for each of those individuals where you prove to them, and I think Vadim's going to give a great example in a second, where you prove to them that you understand them, their situation, you may even be able to bring value to them. Essentially, when they read the email, they really feel like you did your research and uh, you're not just blasting off a bunch of form emails to them. So the example I'm going to give you is actually an email that I sent a few weeks ago to Noah Kagan. So again, if you don't know him, he is a successful entrepreneur and marketer. He was one of the top, I think, employee number 30 at Facebook where he did marketing for them. He then also ran marketing for Mint.com, which was later acquired. He started his own company called AppSumo. He had a podcast. He produces videos now, and he's just an overall really cool guy. So we were going to Austin a few weeks ago, and I wanted to to make sure that we can get some meetings on the calendar with some notable people that live in Austin. So we thought about reaching out to Tim Ferriss, but that was a bit of a reach. But we ended up getting uh, Charlie Hone on the podcast. The episode is already public and up there, so check it out. We talked about how to create virality and uh, create bestsellers and uh, overcome anxiety and a lot of really cool stuff. And Charlie Holland actually was an employee for Tim Ferriss and Seth Golden, a lot of really cool uh, guys, and he's done a lot of very interesting things himself. He's published two books. But, you know, that was a cold email I sent to him. But I also sent a cold email to Noah. And that got a response. That got a response. Now, we haven't had him on the podcast yet, but we're building a relationship, and hopefully we will uh, sometime in the future. But the first step of that email was, a relevant subject. So if you don't have a relevant subject or give them a reason through the subject line to respond, you've already lost them and it won't matter how amazing and well-crafted your email actually is. But the subject I sent him was in town in a few weeks. Immediately that piqued curiosity. Why should he know that I'm in town in two weeks? Uh, Oh, okay, I'm in town in a few weeks. So if I'm there as well and this is something really interesting, maybe I should check it out. So first of all, the subject was in town in a few weeks, so I noticed right away that he opened the email. I had <laughs> email tracking set up there. Noah, by the way, if you listen to this, um, but he's not. Sorry. Okay, fine. Uh, we're, yeah, someday. Someday we'll be BFFs. <laughs> we actually have a lot of mutual friends in common, but in my first, very first sentence, I said, Noah, you don't know me, but I know you. <laughs> Okay, that sounds creepy, but bear with me. So I've researched his personality. I knew he was a funny guy, and I seem to think, I guess I'm kind of funny too, Sergey. Well, help, well, help me out here. Am I funny? You're okay. Uh, but but the main thing is here, what Vadim just mentioned, which is he he knew already that Noah might be receptive to a, a funnier opening line. And so knowing that about him, he just, he included, he was more himself, I think, Vadim, and included a funny opening line uh, just to get his attention. But probably for someone else, he might not go the funny route, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Not everybody. Some people like serious folk. But my next line was the why, right? Why am I reaching out and why he should pay attention? So All I said was my twin brother and I are entrepreneurs and mentors to early stage companies out of New York City. We recently launched a podcast called The Mentors and would love to have you on our show if you think it could be valuable. So, Sergey, what did I do there? I mean, the last sentence, if you think it could be valuable, at least showed that it was respectful. I mean, you know, if you don't think it's going to be valuable, you don't have to read the rest of the email. Well, I I think you did that. You also somewhat put us on, you stroked his ego a little bit. You said, we'd love to have you on our show. But you also kind of put us on a similar playing field because he could see that we're hosts of a podcast. We know that he also has a podcast or had at least a podcast. And so at least there's a bit of a reason for him to continue reading, right? You're trying to build trust as you go along through this email. 
Yep. And then the next part was so clearly I kind of put the why and the what, uh, the ask in the in the first sentence, few sentences, uh, which is great if you can do it soon and quickly right away. That's awesome. Uh, but the other thing I want to do is sort of add a little bit of value. So having done some research again, make I was sending a highly targeted email here. I wrote that um, I think the content that you put out is incredibly valuable, which is true. Maybe it stroked his ego a little bit, but it's true. And I want to help you create some video assets as it seems like this will be your focus moving forward in place of your podcast. So I recently found out that he is no longer working on his podcast. He's focusing more on video. So I thought, well, you know what? At the very least, uh, yes, he's going to throw us a bone by being on our podcast, a relatively new podcast, but also he'll get some video assets out of it that are completely free that he'll be able to use himself. So again, I did research and I gave him an extra reason to respond. At the very least, showed him that I cared uh, enough to give him value uh, right off the bat, even though he didn't know me. And then the last thing that I did, of course, is the one ask, the how, how can we sort of move forward from here? And again, I did this right away. If you happen to be available, we're going to be in Austin this month from Thursday through Saturday and can meet you anytime. Now, we did mention earlier that uh, that be as specific as possible, but I figured if I can at least give him a little bit of concentration on the calendar there, that it's going to be from Thursday uh, to Saturday, then he'll have a few days to pick from from his calendar. So I think that was a pretty good way to end the email as well. Yeah, I think that it works. And at the end of the day, the email accomplished what you, part of what you wanted it to accomplish, which is it got him to respond. He happened to be out of town, town those days, but he actually even gave Vadim a taco place recommendation, which is super nice. No one, it wasn't warranted even. And he, he wanted to be nice, though. He wanted to add value. Yeah, he responded the same night uh, within a few hours, which was really nice, especially because it was a cold email. And he said, thanks, man. Uh, I'm out of town those days, but eat at Taco Deli, right? So I unfortunately didn't have a chance to go to Taco Deli, but next time we will. And if you're in Austin, I guess eat there. Noah says so. Noah says so. And he's a taco fiend. Uh, so that was a great example of sending a very targeted email to one specific individual uh, where you've done a ton of research. But I'll give you another quick story about where we were a little bit more broad, where we knew uh, it was a little bit of a numbers game. When Vadim and I were starting our business, we actually had been working on it for, uh, I'd been working on it full-time for almost a year. Vadim had been full-time for a few months. And we were getting really uh, burnt out just because we were working out of our home office all day, every day. And we knew we needed a change. And we were ultimately, actually, we were also looking for an investment at that time. So we wanted to get out there and be among startups. So we decided, hey, uh, we're in New York City. There's tons of companies in New York. Somebody must have a free desk or two. I mean, we only need two desks. There's just two of us. Someone must have room for us where they'll give us free space or maybe discounted space. So we built a list of 200 uh, startups in New York City, and we decided to reach out to them to see if they have free space. Now, how do we make it a little bit more targeted? Well, first of all, we only reached out to CEOs and founders because we knew that they would be the most likely to be empathetic about our problem, right? If I reached out to a, a VP of HR about a desk space, they don't really care. But a, but a founder might care because they know what it's like to not be able to afford to pay for office space. And then we also looked at size of company. We knew that if we reached out to a two-person company or five-person company, they wouldn't be able to help. But we built a list of companies that have raised some money, which means that they probably have money to pay for office space they're hiring more people, so they may have free space available. And we ended up getting more than half reply to us. Of course, most of them said no, 
but uh, a few said, you know, reach out in a couple of months, we may have something available. And then one person reached out, said, hey guys, uh, I might have something, give me a call and uh, I'm available in the next couple hours. And luckily we called him immediately because you got to strike while the iron is hot. And uh, it turned out that he was a founder and actually also an angel investor who had sort of a co-working space of sorts where he just had a few companies that he knew of that were with him in the space. And he asked us to meet him in his office the next day to see if we could work something out. And what did we work out with him? It It ended up being pretty cool. Yeah, it ended up being awesome. So it turned out that he was actually very interested in talking to early stage entrepreneurs because he's an investor. And he said, okay, I'll tell you what. Why don't you guys work in my office? And uh, while you're working here, I'll let you work completely rent-free. But in exchange, I'll evaluate you throughout the several months or however long you need to be here as a potential investment opportunity. And if you end up starting to raise money, you let me be the first money in. And then you can just pay me back rent after you raise your first round of about a quarter of a million dollars. Sounded like a great deal for us, very low risk, and we were building a relationship with an investor and also working with an entrepreneur that already had a few successful exits. It was a no-brainer, and the next day, we were working out of his office. Yeah, we we ended up working out of that office for, I believe, about a year, uh, right in Astor Place, Cooper Union, actually next to where Techstars used to have their office. And uh, it was awesome, and we we actually it helped us grow our business because we weren't doing it out of our apartment anymore, and we were meeting people and we were being productive because we saw how much all the other founders hustled right next to us. So that's another way that we were able to get people to respond by being a little bit creative, but uh, but also making sure that they had a reason to respond to us, right? I mean, we use similar tactics that Vadim mentioned in his other email, which is building a little bit of credibility and trust. We told them that we're founders. We told them what it is that we're actually creating. We actually even offered uh, in exchange for the free office space to provide free sales training to their employees. No one took us up on it, but it's nice when you offer somebody value um, instead of just asking for something. So keep that in mind too when you're reaching out cold. Try to offer value, uh, be direct and to the point, uh, show some credibility, show respect, and you'll have a much higher chance of getting responses. The one other thing I wanted to talk about, though, is you know what happens if you're emailing these important people and, and they don't respond? Does that mean they don't like you? Does that mean you suck? Yeah, probably. You stink. You kind of suck, buddy. <laughs> no, you're probably awesome. But uh, the thing love is... Love ya. Love ya. But they're busy. And uh, they have other things to worry about. And there's probably other awesome people in their life. And so if you want to get integrated, what do you have to do? Well, you got to follow up. You got to follow up. Now, I have a three strikes, you're out policy. Some people follow up a lot more times. But I figured, you know what? I need to email them at least three times until I really know that, that they're not interested. And... You know, some people kind of take the approach of ask for forgiveness and they just continue to barrage, barrage, uh, uh, the, my one English, of those words. English, not good. And not good. Uh, Actually, I will, I will say that that email to about the office space, we did follow up, but we didn't get 50% response rate right away. Right. It took three follow-ups or two follow-ups after the original email to get to that response rate. So some people say email the person until you get a no. That could work. And you know what? Maybe you should do that if it's a life or death situation for your business and you're trying to accomplish something. That's what go-getters and hustlers do. Typically, I say, though, be respectful and don't do that, especially if you don't have to. But following up can be very important. And that's actually how we got an amazing mentor, Ali Riaz, uh, while we were working on Tacit, our old startup. 
And uh, this gentleman, uh, you know, he was running a 500-person startup at the time. He had experience working uh, in Europe managing a 30,000-person company. Uh, so this guy was incredibly successful, already had some successful exits. And initially, I had cold emailed him uh, to try to get him as a customer because I could tell from my emails to him, we had a sales product. I could tell that he was a sales-focused CEO, and he didn't respond. I should say he did respond, but he said, uh, I'm not an operational CEO. In other words, he was more hands-off. He was kind of sitting on the board, so I can't help you. And that was that. And you know what? Most people would stop right there. But I will say he did respond to the initial email. Not I. No, sir. He's a persistent little I am a persistent little lass. And uh, what I did was I followed up and I said, well, you know what? To the goose goes the gander and no pain, no gain. And... Ain't no sunshine. Okay, I'm running out of... um, But anyways, the point is I decided to follow up with him and I said, you know what? Well, if he's not going to be a customer, maybe he can help us out a little bit and we can get some advice from him. I mean, this guy's super successful. So I decided to email him. I figured, you know what? He's had a couple successes under his belt. Maybe he wants to give back uh, and work with early stage entrepreneurs. And so I emailed him and I said, hey, Ali, we are actually originally from Boston. We were in New York at the time and he was in Boston. And we're always looking for people that have already experienced success to help us out and help think through things and kind of become smarter entrepreneurs. Well, I think I think what the words of Adim actually used is we're also always open to talking to uh, really relevant advisors. And a, an advisor at a company is actually a very specific role that a CEO would understand and may actually want to take on. So saying the word advisor uh, and the fact that we're looking for advisors, I think probably made him listen. Again, it was a very specific ask. And he did respond right away. And he said, are you in Boston? And so you know, a lot of advisors and mentors and investors and stuff like that, they like to be locally very close to the entrepreneurs they work with. And we were in New York and I said, no, unfortunately, we're not in Boston, but we're from there and we're there almost every month. So I figured maybe that'll be fine because we go to Boston all the time. And he didn't respond. And I was a little crushed. How uh, dare he? How dare he? Ali, I cried for a week about you, just so you know. Uh, but you know what? A week later... I decided to uh, dry his crying eat, eyes, dry my crying eyes, eat my own dog food, and kind of follow my three strikes you're out policy. And I followed up a third time, and I said, Ali, would still love to have you on as a mentor. Uh, please let us know we're going to be in Boston in two weeks. He followed up literally within five minutes, and he said, Vadim, I'm so sorry I didn't respond. I was actually out of the country, and I'm going to be in New York next week. Are you free to meet? And by the way, love the persistence. It's a sign of a successful entrepreneur. And so uh, I had no idea. I thought he was ignoring me, but you know what? We, we live our own heads way too much. Uh, he's, he was just traveling abroad. I mean, he was a busy guy. Uh, and he was actually the type of person that didn't mind the persistence. It wouldn't work with everybody, but he liked it. And it worked out. And we had an amazing relationship for years. Uh, we still do check in uh, from time to time. And he's been a true mentor uh, and a good friend. And, you know, we would have countless of hours-long mentorship sessions on the phone in New York City, um, in his house outside of Boston. And this it's not... A, it's a crib. It, it's, it's a crib. crib. It's a nice house. Uh, props. And... None of this would have happened if A, I didn't send the initial cold email, and B, if I decided not to follow up because I would I came up with excuses in my own head. 
Yeah, get get out of your own way. That, that's actually one thing that sales really teaches you, which is why we always recommend for anyone to at least try a sales role, is that a lot of times you stand in your own way when you don't ask for something or when you don't follow up. You make up excuses for why that person is not responding or what might be going through their head or the fact that they don't like you or don't care about you. That's all constructed in your head. That's fear kicking in and making excuses for you for yourself and so just get rid of that try to try to avoid that or try to at least ignore it and push through anyway and follow up so we challenge you today after listening to this podcast if you've been thinking about an idea or you're already an entrepreneur or you're creator whatever it is you want to build relationships and you want to reach out to important people and get traction with them make a list of at least two or three hell start with one just start with one person that you want to reach and spend the time, invest an hour if you need to. I mean, we have literally spent sometimes over an hour crafting the perfect email, but it is important to put a lot of time and thought into it because those are the types of emails that get opened. Those are the types of emails that actually get responded to. And not just emails, again, any kind of messaging that you might wanna do, but you do have to be meticulous about this stuff. You do have to spend the time. And if you in the past have just kind of been spraying and praying and wondering why doesn't it work, well, here are your answers. We've given you the toolkit. Do it today and email us at vadim at thementors.co or sergey at thementors.co. Tell us how you did. And you know what? We're happy to give you feedback on your email copy as well. And if we don't respond, it's because we're too important. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 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 We got stuff to do. Yeah, we got better things to do than respond to your little old email. No, but we probably will because we have we the, that inbox needs some love. Yeah, and you know what we no, but we love uh, we love working with early stage entrepreneurs. And if it looks like you're hustling, and you know what, if you do a good job and give us a reason to respond, we will. But even if you fail miserably and your email isn't very good, we'll still respond. I actually uh, respond to cold emails from salespeople all the time, saying, "Hey, here's what you could have done better," because I feel like you know what, they're still trying, they're just doing their job, but why not help them improve so that the next person they get an email from can benefit from this? Yeah, when the seller becomes the sellee, mm-hmm. then sales is selling. All right, so you know what? We actually just made a list of a bunch of producers that we want to reach out to to do some live shows. So we're going to get cracking at that, a crack and a whip, a crack and a lack of a dack. It's 9.39 p.m. on a Monday. Get at it, get to it, Jocko Wilnick, like he says it. Yeah. Get after it. That's just, we're done with this episode. Thank you. See y'all.